Would you like to turn to Isaiah 55, um, starting in verse 6? So Isaiah 55, verses 6 down to 13. Let's read together. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So, we've just been reading from Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet who lived about 700 years before the birth of Christ, and he foretold the coming of Christ 700 years before he came. And he also predicted very accurately the nature of Jesus' death. If you look at those words there, the word pierced, the word crushed, uh, the word wounds, which implies the wounds that are inflicted by a scourging or a whipping, we'll see that that was a very accurate prediction of what happened to Jesus. Um, Jesus was crushed by the, the guards, the, the temple guards, when they struck him with their fists. We read about that in the Gospels. We, we read that the Praetorian guard, who was tasked with guarding Pontius Pilate, um, tortured him by putting a crown of thorns on his head, pierced, um, and then they beat him on the head with a long staff, um, crushed, pierced, and then, of course, scourged by Pontius Pilate and nailed onto the cross. So a very accurate representation. But as we look at that, we see something which is quite remarkable. Because what happened to Christ, we're told, was a punishment. And it was a punishment that brought us peace. Now that's remarkable, isn't it? Because when I look at that unspeakable punishment that Christ went through, I ask myself the question, what on earth was the sin that was committed? Because after all, the severity of the punishment reflects the gravity of the sin, doesn't it? Well, Isaiah goes on in the next verse to tell us why Jesus was punished in that way. He says, we all like sheep, all of us have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So you can see that the reason why Jesus Christ was punished was because each one of us decided to do things our own way. We turned away from God's way of doing things. We turned away from God's way of seeing the world and perceiving things and understanding things. And we started to do it our own way. And that sin in itself was serious enough 
for Jesus to be punished on the cross in our place. And just think about it. You might say, well, that's not a great sin. But actually, as human beings, we were created by God to be in relationship with Him and to be fulfilling the plans and purpose that He had as Creator for us. And yet, how many times in our lives have we decided, I know God says I should be doing it this way, but I'm just going to put that outside and I'm going to go and do it my way. How many times have we just simply ignored God? And all of that, the effect of all of that turning away from God, that rebellion against God as our Creator, who has every right to expect us to be the way He created us to be, that rebellion has created the mess that we see in the world today. Human trafficking, slavery, prostitution, wars, famines, all of that is as a result of us human beings turning away and doing things our own way. And because of that, God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. But what are the implications of what Christ did on the cross for us today? And Isaiah goes on in the next chapters to start to tease out some of those implications. And I'd just like to have a look at two of them very briefly. The first one is that we should seek the Lord while He may be found, call on Him while He is near. God has chosen to give every every one of us a period of time here on earth when we get the chance to seek God, when we get the chance to call on Him. But a time is coming because God in His forbearance has held back on judgment. He punished Christ for our sins. Many people do not um, accept that. They don't put themselves underneath that. And God should, according to justice, have already punished them. But He holds back on that while they have time to live on earth so that they can find Him and search for Him and call out to Him. But a time is coming, folks, and it's going to happen to every one of us when we die. And if at that point we haven't accepted the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers us, it doesn't matter how much we try and seek God, we're not going to find Him because we'll be in a place where we're separated from God. It doesn't matter how much we, we call out to Him, He won't hear because he won't be near us anymore. We've got this opportunity now while we're on earth to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The second implication, folks, of what Christ did on the cross is that we are to abandon and turn. So it says there, let the wicked forsake, in other words, quit or abandon his way, and the evil man's thoughts, let him turn to the Lord. And so what God is calling every one of us to do is to abandon our own way of doing things and do things His way. He's telling us to abandon our own way of thinking and to think the way He wants us to think. And yet so often we do things He's told us not to do and we don't do things that we know we should be doing. We need to abandon and turn. The next question I'd like to ask is why should we do that? Why should we abandon and turn and seek? Well, in the next verse, Isaiah gives us the reason. He says, Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's the reason why we go to God. It's because he will have mercy on us, and he will freely pardon. Now, God is a God of justice. And he needs to be a God of justice. But he's also a God 
of mercy and forgiveness. How does he hold those two things together? Because we all know what it's like when we have suffered an injustice, don't we? We are hardwired, um, because we are created in the image of God, to feel a sense of justice. So if something is done that is unjust, we really feel that heavily on our hearts. And that's because we're created in the image of God. God is a God of justice, and He must punish sin. But at the same time, He wants to be merciful and to pardon. And so the way He put those two things together was He took Jesus, who was a perfect man, who had never committed any sins, and He put the punishment on Jesus that we should have received so that He could offer us forgiveness. So Jesus received the punishment to satisfy God's justice, and we receive the forgiveness and the mercy to satisfy that aspect of God's character, which is a wonderful thing. So, the reason why we abandon and turn and seek God is because He will forgive us on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. And I would encourage you, at whatever stage you are in your faith or your Christian walk, to start to seek God. And we're all seeking God, I think, at different stages in the walk, different levels. But start to seek Him. He's nearby. He will be found by you if you start to seek Him. And He wants to forgive you if you will only turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept that gift of salvation that He offers you. So that's the first reason why we abandon and turn. The second reason is that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. He says here, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And this is so true. We tend to see our thinking, our view of the world is shaped by the fallen, sinful world that we live in. And so we end up having a wrong perception of things. And we need to change. Because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. I mean, so much better. And for example, if someone commits an injustice against us, we want to, to punish that person. We want justice to be done. And often in this fallen world that we live in, justice is not done. And that's when we're tempted not to forgive. We're tempted to bring our own punishment in some way, try and control circumstances so that we can put that injustice right. But God says, no, don't do that. Even if justice doesn't come on this earth, you still need to forgive. I will handle the justice. And it's so different to the way the world thinks. The world thinks that every one of us should define our own purpose. I, Ian Ray, should define my own purpose. And normally it has a lot to do with protecting my own life, protecting my own family, seeking comfort, seeking security. But God says, no, you are the workmanship my work which you've created in Christ Jesus to do good work that I've prepared in advance for you to do. I'm the one who gets to decide what the purpose of your life is, what the plan of your life is. And so you can see that God's thoughts and His ways are so much higher than ours. Whoever would have thought that a poor carpenter from Nazareth would end up having this sort of an impact on the world, where 2,000 years later people are still celebrating what He did on the cross. It's because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. So that's the second reason. God will forgive, first of all. That's why we seek and we turn and and we abandon. God's ways, ways and His thinking is so much higher than ours, so we need to seek it. And then the third thing 
is that things are going to turn out so much better. I wonder if we'll ever get this message <laughs> that things work better when we are fully submitted to God, because that's how we were originally created to be. He says, my word will not return to the empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's why we need to have such a hunger for God's word. And Isaiah uses this beautiful illustration. Isn't it incredible? I find it fascinating that this ancient man who lived 2,700 years ago had an understanding of the water cycle. Um, and we know now it, it, with, with current science that there is a fixed amount of water in the terrestrial system that circulates around. It's not created, it's not destroyed, it changes its form, but in the process it brings life to everything. So the clouds, are that's condensation of water, they precipitate snow and rain which comes down and it brings life to all of us. It brings life to you and me, it brings life to nature, flowers, trees, crops, livestock, everything sustained by that water. And then the water carries on in its journey. Some of it has transpired or evaporated into the atmosphere, some of it evaporates from the sea, and it ends up again in the cloud. And it's done this cycle, and it's produced life and abundance. And what Isaiah is saying is that God's word is like that. It's not going to come back empty. And that's why we need to be the kind of people who turn away from our way of thinking and doing things and seek God's way of doing things. That's why we want to study the Bible, because it's the inspired Word of God. Isn't it incredible that all of these people who wrote the Bible, spanning thousands and thousands of years, some of them were kings, some of them were prophets, shepherds, all sorts of people, doctor, and it all ties together. It's the Word of God. And of course... As we remember today, God's final word was the one that he spoke through his, his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible describes Jesus as the word of God. Why wouldn't we want to turn to him? Things are going to turn out so much better if we do things his way. And then have a look at these results. From God's word, you will go out in joy. How many of you would like to have a fire of joy smoldering away in your heart. Yeah. doesn't matter what's going on in your circumstances. Would you like that? We all look for happiness, don't we? But happiness is so dependent, so attached to our circumstances, what we have and what we don't have. But joy is something that you can experience no matter where you are. Joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How many people would like that joy today? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And here's another commodity that there isn't much of in the world today. Peace. That peace that goes beyond understanding. I should be feeling unsettled. I should be feeling fearful. I should be feeling angry. I should be feeling like taking out revenge. But actually, I've got a peace. Just a calm foundation on which I'm building my life. Peace. How many people want peace today? We all do. You will go out in joy. This is, a, this is a promise. You will be led forth in peace. And then this beautiful picture from creation. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And then lastly, the word of God, if we were just seek, abandon, turn, it will bring fruitfulness. 
Maybe you're feeling a little bit like a thorn bush today. Maybe your work situation feels like a thorn bush. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that just feels like a quickly arid, unproductive, unfruitful thorn bush. The Word of God will come in and it will transform that. It will bring life so that it will turn into a pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Should we pray together? Would you like to commit yourself this morning to seeking God? Starting today and going into this week. If you'd like to do that, let's commit ourselves together as a family. Father God, we commit ourselves to seeking you. And we know that it's not hard to find you because you're all around us. In fact, if we're born again, Holy Spirit is right within us, inside our skin. And so we want to commit to seeking you this morning. And also, if there's anything that you need to turn from, abandon, and just bring that before the Lord in a moment of silence. Father, you know every heart, whatever it is that, that folk have brought to the foot of the cross, in order to abandon it there. We pray that you would take whatever it is away. Just remove it as far as the east is from the west. And then just make a commitment in your heart to turn to, towards God and towards the right way. And also I think it would be wonderful, maybe you've been on this journey of seeking God for a while and you're just sensing, maybe the, something has just shifted inside your heart where you just, you just realize that this morning you know that Jesus Christ was a real man, that the fact that he died and rose from the dead has an impact on you today. You believe it. Well, maybe now's the day just to hand your life over to, to God's management. And if that is the case, um, just pray quietly in your in your heart and, and repeat after me. Father God, I hand my life over to you. I pray that you would manage it. I abandon my way of thinking. I abandon my way of doing things. And I turn towards you, to your way of thinking, to your way of doing things. I pray that you would take that imperfect record out of the book of my life, the one that deserves death and separation from you. I pray that you would take that record and just rip it up. And I receive the free gift of Christ's perfect record in my book of life. And if you've prayed that prayer, that's that's what's happened. Now when the when God looks at you, He sees Jesus Christ. He sees Christ's perfect record. And as you continue to seek Him on a daily basis, you will find Him. You'll be able to hear Him. And you are set on the road to an eternity with God.
Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he will return. Thank you, Father God. Amen.